Bro. 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 Listen to the kids. Listen to the kids. Bro. Bro. Listen to the kids. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 36 Chambers of Fatherhood show. I am your host, Scuba Bell, the Papa Dundada. Swing it over to my other co-host. I am S. Dot Hamilton, a.k.a. Old Head Wildin', <clears throat> doing the things I like to do for all the fathers worldwide. We out here to collect. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What are we doing today, brother? My brother, my brother, my brother. We have a special, special, special guest. Um... Uh, a basketball enthusiast, I uh, see. a super Nick fan, uh, the evil genius, a uh, 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 marketing genius, a uh, beautiful mind, my man Doug Cohen. We don't have we don't have applause right there. I'm working on it. Don't worry, I'm working on it. We don't have applause yet. I'm gonna have all that stuff. Only thing true is definitely a big Nick fan. You're you're not a basketball enthusiast. I'm a basketball enthusiast. You are a basketball enthusiast. A you're basketball a Nick fan. You are a marketing genius. That's, that's a heavy word. Ah, you know your thing. Well, word. run down the resume. Run down his resume. I mean, Nickelodeon, right? You worked with Nickelodeon. We'll get into Converse. all that stuff. Yeah, you, yeah you've yeah, done yeah. you've done a lot. No, you really. Well, we will talk about that. Later. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you've done a lot, my man. And, thank and, you for coming on to the show. Yes, thank you, man. Of course, of course. And he brought scotch too. I did, I did. Some and and uh, tell Lef- the people the name of this? Lafroig 10. Okay, and uh, break down real quick about the water situation, because I, I didn't know about that. So basically, I mean, you could have anything however you want it. So my, my real passion in life is coffee. We're mm-hmm. not going to talk about that because we'll bore you listeners. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I, I know like a lot, a lot about coffee. I always tell people, though, I don't drink like milk. I drink like real, real, real high-end black coffee. Exactly. It tastes like floral um, like fruit, like if you put like a Kenyan, Ethiopian, Colombian, Brazilian coffee in front of me, I could, and it's good coffee, I'll easily be able to tell you. We got to talk about which, that off the show. Which, definitely, which yeah. which coffee I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. But I always tell people you should drink what you like. Right. It doesn't matter what I like. Mm-hmm. I'll show you, I'll teach you, right. but don't live your life the way I live. I mean, that's that's on you. If you like oat milk lattes with eight pounds of sugar, then you should, you should live how you live. So anyway, I drink scotch personally on the rocks, but- we did not have rocks available to us, so right. <laughs> <laughs> when you, I mean, I could go outside and scoop some up. No, no, so when you drink whiskey, they say if you put a little bit of water, just a splash of water in there, it just opens it up. Okay, you know, it just gives it, 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 it lets the aromatics out a little bit. It softens it a little bit in a way that makes it a little bit more palatable. Uh, so if you're drinking, you know, a good whiskey, okay, um, Lafroig is pretty good. Um, you know, you want to just give a little splash to open it up, allow those flavors to kind of hit you a little bit easier and, and allow you to, to drink it some more. So it's knowledge Fun. right there. We Funny. out here to collect. You know what I'm saying? We out here to collect right Funny now. Funny story, right? Yeah. So um, we have the bottles here at the studio, right? So if it, just to get people comfortable. So I, have, I invited Doug and Doug was like, yeah, I got you. I was like, yo, what you drinking? You know, like, because we got it. So he says Lafroy and what's the other one? Oban. Oban. Something like right, whatever, cool. I Google search it. And like the bottle was like three hundred dollars. No, 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 no. You I don't know what you Google. This, <laughs> I don't know. This bottle was like sixty. Oh, mm. really? Yeah. Oh, I feel like a like a jackass now because I looked up I looked up Oban and I looked up Lafroig and it was like three hundred. That might have been like an older vintage. And I'm just You like, are a jackass though. <laughs> I mean that shit is irrelevant <laughs> to the price of whiskey. We out here to collect. Now I feel bro. like a jerk because I was like, yo, that's outside of our budget. And you were like, yo, just forget it, I'll bring it. Nah, it's all good. It's not a big deal. Just all right, so up, yo, we got a bottle coming through. Yeah, we got Lafroy over here, man. Lafroy, so, that's it. That's it. Yeah. I like this. I like this taste. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, a very it's clean, peaty. good yeah. peaty. test. Right, that's what's up. Drinking, um, so that means like Jameson and all that is low tier. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, like garbage. I mean, that's really like. I, I again, I'm gonna pass on the coffee analogies, but that's mm-hmm. like. You know, Jameson, like a whiskey drinker Maxwell is not going to... Yeah, like a Jameson drinker is not going to drink... Jame, you don't drink Jameson on the rocks. Like, right. take shots at Jamie, to Jameson to Ginger. Okay. But like, if you have a whiskey collection, you probably are not... Do not have, you know, a $30 bottle of whiskey okay. that you're drinking. I mean, most likely. Real quick. But again, if you like Jameson, 
That's just like I'm really like awesome. Like yo, I don't I I don't care. Whatever. Right. If you like drinking Jameson on the rocks, you should enjoy nah, it. Bro, but we, we, we but when, once you develop a palate for things, right? You kind of dive in a little. Just bit Just so deeper. you, just so my my listeners are clear, and Sean, that you are clear. Doug only does the best of the best. That's true. Going into the genesis of, uh, genesis of Doug Cohen because you are an interesting subject. Now that you say all of that, right? I know you, but my listeners don't know you. So where are you from? Q Borough, Queens. Queens. Queens, baby. What Queens part of Queens? Stand up. Flushing. Flushing? Yeah. Shouts to Flushing. What was your what was your household like? Uh it was cool. I had a good I mean, I had a I had a good I mean I had a good relationship with my parents. Uh I was having a, a crazy long conversation with my man Sean C the other day, um about like fatherhood and Sean, he got like a I don't know how old Sean Jr. is like twenty eight. How old are you? Thirty. Thirty. Uh-huh. He got a 30-year-old He's about to get married Shout out to Sean Sean Jr. Shout out to both Sean's Both Sean's um, And uh, We were talking about like You know Relationship with our parents And all that shit I, I had a stable household Growing up for sure Like You know We could Psychoanalyze shit And you know There was crazy Things about your relationship With your parents Always and your family But you know Definitely stable 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 family And you know Kind of generally supported anything I did throughout my increasingly wild teenage years. So. <laughs> Who did you look look up to in your household? Uh, definitely my dad, my grandfather. My one of my daughters is named after my grandfather. Oh, word! Yeah, it was definitely like my grandfather was like my my. He died when I was probably like fifteen or some shit. But like, really, like love, 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 love my grandfather. It was definitely like the patriarch of the whole. F- I got a. My mom got seven brothers and sisters. My dad has one sister. My mom. My dad passed away like fifteen years ago. My mom. My mom speaks to none of her siblings. Maybe on Facebook now, a couple of them. I don't even know most of them, but still speaks to my mom. My dad's sister like every day. So my dad's side of the. Fa- I didn't really know my mom's side of the family. My dad's side of the family was really what I would consider my family, and uh, so all them. My aunt is. My basically like my second mom. We're super, super, super close. Um, my uncle Murray, who passed away, he my he was my grandmother's brother. It's like my great uncle. He owned a liquor store on the corner, of, like right on the corner of Yankee Stadium, on Concourse till like '83. Mm. So growing up, Yankee fan, he would always just have dope ass Yankee stories, you know. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I looked up to them, but you know, I, I mean, everybody. My sister, you know, she was a dancer. So, you know, kind of that's where I kind of found my, like, I'm going to just follow my dreams mentality. Uh, my mom worked super, super, super hard. Mm. You know, my dad was a, he was a commercial photographer. So he took photos before there was PowerPoint, you would take slides. You would like take a photo of something and you'd get like a, you know, a big piece of it and you'd color in gels and get the colors for the pie charts and everything. And you take photos and you'd make it into slides. So my dad did that. But when computers started going away, my dad went from like the breadwinner to kind of futzing around, not really knowing what he was doing with his life. And he started struggling with his health a lot, mm-hmm. um, mentally, physically, the whole thing from kind of going from, you know, that. From being you know, the top that, that, to yeah, slowly going down. But my mom held it down. She worked like nine jobs throughout the whole thing. So pretty much everybody in my family were, you know, like I could look at as like somebody that there was, I, I, I would say I'm pretty lucky there was not that many people in my family that I really have anything but pretty positive things to say about outside of like, you know, you can always bitch about anybody. Of course. And my mom's sister's husband, who I did know when I was a little kid, used to hold me down and tickle me when I was little, so fuck him. Till <laughs> like, this day, I fucking hate to be oh, tickled because that piece of shit. <laughs> what was your best memory growing up? What was uh, your favorite memory growing up, I should say? I don't know. I'm not really a memories dude. No? Probably, but not, you remember like people tickling. I'm not like because that's just some fucked up shit. Like, you're like five, and you're like, yo, chill out. This is not funny, but you're, you're laughing because you're being tickled. And they're like, and, and so they think it's funny because you're laughing, but you're like, yo, I can't breathe. Yeah, I'm in pain. I'm Leave in pain, alone. yeah, like chill. <laughs> anyway, but uh, mm. it didn't go farther than tickling. Let's just be clear. Let's just be clear. <laughs> I was like, yo, yo, I looked at Sean like, yo, keep rolling. Yeah, it got yeah. awkward in yeah, here yeah, for a second. Just tickling. Like, just tickling in public. Yeah, all right. Because sometimes, yo, we, we have guests that they just... 
yeah. like really, really give us everything. We're just right, looking yeah. at each other like, yeah, right yeah. like uh oh, it's yeah, happening it, again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but now, I'm, I'm not like a memories dude. Don't worry, we'll edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. like I'm not. I don't fuck with prequels. Gotcha. Prequels are boring. Better Call Saul is amazing. I don't know how, mm-hmm. but like in general, I'd rather find out. Like I'm waiting a Better Call Saul to find out what happens after. Like I don't know if you watched Better Call Saul. I but didn't like, get into it. It's so dope. Like it's almost better than Breaking Bad. And I'm, but like you watch Breaking Bad, of course. So like you know, it, the Better Call Saul is about how he became Saul Goodman because that wasn't his, that wasn't his name. Mm-hmm. So it was Jimmy McGill. Mm-hmm. He became Saul Goodman. So it's about how he kind of how he broke bad into Saul Goodman essentially. But they do little clips of him working out of Cinnabon because that's when he got changed his identity. He he moved and he you know to Arizona or some shit and he's working out of Cinnabon. Hmm. But to me, I'm really excited. As good as the show is, I'm really excited to see, you know, like if they do a season just on the ramifications of everything that happened. That's to me, that's more important than now, like what's the show interesting. Again? The Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul. You ever watch Breaking Bad? Yeah, yeah. So it's the, the prequel. The, yeah, the lawyer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they so they did the prequel on the lawyer because he okay. was a, a big part of pretty much the show. Um, and yeah, he had his own story. I, I watched, I was like three episodes in and then I just completely just faded, faded. Yeah. Going into fatherhood. How did you find out you were going to be a father? Super Bowl Sunday. Really? 2015. Yeah. Mm. Did she get you jerseys? Nah. Oh. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> and by she, your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, nah, yeah. We, uh, we didn't really try it super long. Like it was like, you know, one of those, like we basically, Went to Iceland and Paris, came back, and then she's like, I'm going to get off the pill now. And then, you know, February. So went to Iceland in like October. February what? 2015. Mm-hmm. So, oh, no, that's, that's not when your uh, kids were born. My right? kids were born on September 1st. Oh, why? Wow. They're Virgos. Yeah. Salute. I'm a Virgo yeah, yeah. too. But Nine they, days after. Mm. So they, but like, you know, we came back. So like, you know, November, by the time you get off the pill, you know, it takes a little while for your body to, mm-hmm. to, to be, for a woman's body to be fertile. Mm-hmm. I remember like the first time she took a, a test, she was like, oh my God, it's never going to happen. Then the second time she took a test, she was pregnant. Boom. Boom. And, and, you, and you know, Doug, Doug, when he shoots, he don't miss. That's true. So he didn't have not one child. He had twins. Identical twins. Identical, Identical twins. twins. Yeah. Uh, twins running your family? Identical twins, not hereditary. Only fraternal twins are hereditary. Never they, knew that. They come from the mother's side because if your body is... Um, a fr- um, identical twin is the egg splits right. after insemination. Uh, fraternal twins are two eggs are inseminated. So... If a woman's body is more likely to make multiple, to like produce multiple eggs, that's hereditary. Okay. Identical is just, you know, shoot, just that, it. shoot yeah. that magic. You know what I mean? Scotch magic. How's life with twins? Well, first, well, going back to that, like, what was your reaction to twins? I was dumb hype. So. You weren't scared? Do you know me? True. I'm not scared of anything. So the story's actually funny. We went to the first. Um, the first you know sonogram, and I'm habitually late. Like I was not late tonight. I don't think, but no, that's you like that's like a record. So I'm I'm habitually late. That's just life status. So, um, we that we went like my wife's from Brooklyn, so she, her OBGYN where she was going to was like deep, like Borough Park, and uh, we we get, I get there maybe like 20 minutes late, and my wife's in the in the um waiting room and she's like yo they had to take me in because you were late and they had to keep on schedule but we're having twins <laughs> what that's how she dropped it on that's you? how she dropped wow. it on me and i was like yo i was so mad i was like i was so fucked up just let somebody go ahead of you like just relax like i, I want to see this like i'm coming you know i don't know where it's coming from but I'm coming. Like, I wasn't that late. You know, mm-hmm. you could chill. It's a doctor's office. You know, 20 minutes is still on time as far as I'm concerned. Of course. She goes through it. And then she starts laughing. And everybody in the room is laughing with her. And I'm like, what? She's like, I didn't go in yet. <laughs> I was just fucking with you because you were late. Oh, man. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So we go in the thing. And it's like some Russian lady. You know, not, I don't know how much you guys know about Russians. But, you know, I'm Russian. But... Not 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 the most um, gentle of human beings. No, not so, at all. So she's doing the sonogram, and I'm seeing on the screen like two things, but 
I don't know what I'm looking at because this, you know, they're they're like nothing, right? That could be kidneys, that could be like <laughs> tacos, like I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at, right? And I think I see two, but I'm not gonna say that because again, I have no idea. That could have been anything, right? right. Mm-hmm. She's looking for a while and she's like, um, so I have news for you. You're having twins. And my wife was like, are you fucking kidding me? You're lying. You're lying. And she started like kind of yelling at her. She was real upset. Is he having twins? Because it's overwhelming. It is real overwhelming for a woman. Absolutely. um, To find that out, you know, like it's it's heavy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we went into like the doctor's office to go over it. And there's different kind of identical twins. So there's mono mono and there's mono i forgot what it's called but basically there's they either share a identical twin share a damn fucking it up right now they share a, <laughs> they share a placenta mm-hmm. but there's a type of, of identical twin that also shares a sac okay and that's very dangerous like really like insane identical twins are high risk like we had to go to a special um doctor you know like the you know they, my kids were seven weeks premature mm. because they they had pr- twins are considered full term at thirty six but they had to be um, delivered super early because there's a lot of risk involved with identical twins especially but mono mono are like you know fifty percent of them time one kid dies type of shit you know or some something like that so they thought they had the real bullshit technology so they couldn't see a sack you know the second sack then the doctor told us that so then. Obviously, it became a lot heavier. Um, and I had a, a good friend of mine, Dr. Shane Wasden, who is a he he works at a he did work at a high risk um, specialty practice. So you know, luckily, we were able to go to him and find out not that long after that everything was okay. But you know, she was freaking. Then then it was like you know, it was just a, it was a lot for her to process. I was really excited because I grew up always wanting to be a twin. Really? Yeah, because nothing doper. Like, yo, Saturday night when you're like eight and you're bored playing with your G.I. Joes for Dolo. <laughs> like, I already see all my kids. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Like, they don't need anybody else. They just they're have never themselves. Bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, right. never, they're always playing with each other. Mm-hmm. So I was always growing up like, you know, I, you know, like when I when I didn't have anybody to play with and I'm kind of a like a solo dude in a lot of ways anyway. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that's just growing up like, you know, you just learn to kind of fend for yourself, but like twins, they don't really have to do that. So I was hype. She was definitely nervous. And then, uh, you know, then it started settling in and she got excited and, you know, then it's, you can't, you got, you don't got no choice at that point. True. About to go get these matching outfits. Yeah. Get no, matching outfits. Do you don't do matching oh, outfits? Oh, God. We got like certain things like jackets. We might buy two of the same jacket, but part of that is just because they'll fight over, like, they both want to see, like you. If you give them less option, they're less likely to fight over it. Mm-hmm. You know, like they got the same water bottles, a lot of the same jackets. But we don't buy like two of the same pairs of shoes. They're pretty good. Like they'll, I bought some like Jordans, and I bought some like pink Vans. And like Isla really likes the pink Van, uh, the Jordans, and Simone really likes the pink. So they'll they'll like dive into certain things. Their personalities are different enough that they'll gravitate towards things, but. We generally, we don't ever really let them. I, I don't think we ever had matching outfits for them. It's funny that you said Jordans because you hate Jordans. I fuck Jordan. Fuck Michael Jordan. Eric Jordan. <laughs> he's Eric Jordan. Eric Jordan. Eric Jordan's my man. He said Eric Jordan, but Eric Jordan, he said. He said maybe, he, maybe Michael B, though. Michael B. Jordan, you, you're all right with? You like his muscles? No, nah, I mean, I'm saying maybe fuck him. <laughs> just off the name, anything, just off the name. Anything with Jordan, yeah, he's just yeah, like, yeah, Doug yeah, with MJ, and nah, I'm not fucking with your that. Man, your man, Doug, does not rock with any type of Jordan whatsoever. Never had a pair of Jordans. I had one pair of Jordans. Pair. My man Hiroshi gave me a pair of Jordans in oh, Japan Oh, shout once, to Hiroshi, man. But they were, size and, they were half size too small, mm-hmm. so I wore them once, and my feet were like, like I had to take them off in the middle of the day because they were... They were, they were, they were but but yeah, they were so. pulsating, and nah, I still felt, I was in Japan, but I still felt horrible about myself for rocking Jordans. <laughs> so, what's life with twins like? Uh, I don't know. I don't have any frame of reference to compare it to. True, you know? because you you just that's that was your intro to fatherhood. Like my intro to fatherhood was just one child, so I couldn't you know I could tell you all day long about how, how old are they? How are three. They turned three September first. Nice, congratulations! Thank man. you. Yeah. 
they start talking and all that stuff now? Oh, they've been talking. Yeah, yeah. Vocabulary two, is crazy. Two, at two, right? Like at two yeah, is when they two. start picking up. They were pretty verbal. They took a little longer to to, to walk, mm-hmm. but they were like pretty verbal from you know from from an early age. Do you see any differences between the two other than the sneakers? The oh, they're totally the different. One's like um, real verbal and like silly and kind of like outgoing, and one's real like sweet. And like okay with being by herself, but like friendlier with other people. Like one's really like me, and one's really like my wife. Like in personality, in a, in a in a a lot a lot of ways. And you which, know, and which personality are you? I'm Simone. I'm a little bit more like I don't really. I got a lot to say if I feel like talking, but if I'm in a room and I really don't have anything to say, like I was saying before, like if we're talking about coffee, cool. But like if we're talking about like. Coca Cola again. I got the worst analogies right now. But you know, if, <laughs> if we're, we're talk- talking about Dunkin' Donuts, yeah, compared like, to like if we're your talking favorite. about some shit that I just don't care about, mm-hmm. then I'm not gonna like. I don't. You're not gonna chime in just for the sake of it. I got a lot of random knowledge, yeah. which Yo, I'm, which, he knows. He knows a lot of random knowledge. I got a lot of random knowledge, and I'm happy to talk about it. But I'm also <laughs> happy to just stay out of conversations that I I don't know about. Just because I don't really care. If I, I don't know, you. if I knew about it, if I cared about it, I'd know about it. If I right. don't know about it, why do I even want to talk about it? Yo, how did you manage twins? Like, not man. Like, how did you manage life with t- twins? Like, as far as like one baby's crying and the other one's chilling. Like, how did you manage both of them? Just do the shit. Just do I, it. Well, there's I got three. There's three things really. One, we took a twins class. Like when my kids, my wife was pregnant. There was a woman who had twins and who's parents her mom was twin and she was a nurse for 30 years and she used to do this this twins class so she had two pieces of advice that i really that i really um fucked with one was if a non-twin parent gives you advice just ignore it because shit doesn't really matter because how you have to deal with your kids is not the same yeah that they have to deal with their kids because it's just it's just a totally different experience the other was like, you got to just be strictly regimented. Like my kids have eaten every meal of their life at the same time. Like even to this day, we rarely ever break apart from schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, they go to bed at the same time. Like we don't do that. Like when they're ready to fall asleep, like at eight o'clock at night at now at this age, they're in bed. Do they cry? No, nah, they, they sleep for they be, since Since about four months, they slept. For about fourteen hours a night, lucky dog, man, oh you are God. lucky, bro. I mean, now we take we wake them up a little earlier to go to school. My wife wakes up like seven thirty to to wake them up, mm-hmm. seven thirty eight, and we gotta wake them up though. They're not awake usually. Yeah, of course. Um, they once in a blue moon they wake up in the middle of night, but like usually we put them to sleep, and that's pretty much it. Damn, yeah, yeah. Which that was my daughter. That's the thing. I got mad lucky with that. So yeah. like the kids are easy. In that sense, because I think if, you know, when your kids don't sleep, it just, you know, like my kids go to sleep and it's like, you could watch TV, you could chill. Mm-hmm. You know, if my wife's not home, I get some me time. If the wife's home, I could chill with the wife. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to like, it's just not out of sight, out of mind, but it's just like. You get to relax and do your own thing. You, you're, you're chill. Like you're, you're not like on edge, like waiting for your kids to wake up. Of course. So, but you know, like the way we, the way we slept, train them, the way we did everything, they always were on a schedule. Like we never broke from a schedule. Mm-hmm. When you have one kid, like if your kid's not hungry, cool, they could eat in an hour. Yeah, that's not how you can't do that. Like you got to be with twins. It's different with twins. Like if you if you got to be somewhere to eat at twelve o'clock, if that's what time they're eating lunch, at twelve o'clock they got to be somewhere. If they're supposed to be napping at one, you got to be ready to put them in a bed at one o'clock. Why is that? Because you don't have the flexibility that your kid could just go to sleep whenever they want to go to sleep. Because if one's Hungry. If one's eating and the other's eating an hour and a half later, you're just always at a slave to your child. Because mm-hmm. because if one eats and then takes a nap and the other eats in an hour and then takes a nap, then the the first one's waking up an hour early, and then you got to give him a snack, do whatever. Then the next one wakes up and not like makes sense. Yeah. You're just you're you're you're, mm-hmm. you're always you're always just there. Your your kids are there. And also, we were real lucky. We had living help for mm-hmm. like three for the first till they slept through the night. We had a like a night nurse. That was basically there like 24 hours a day. So that made a big difference because even when, when they were they were premature, they were like seven weeks premature. So Simone was like three and a half pounds when she was born. So we had to feed them every two hours till they hit a certain weight. Mm-hmm. 
What's that food bill like? For I mean, twins? It's titty I mean, milk, you know. Now, now, I mean, they're kids; they don't eat that much. Right. No, <laughs> I, I guess it's no different than you know having just of what? Yeah, if you have like one or two, two child, like one or two children. children. Yeah, yeah, but it's not even just you know like. We had chicken for dinner, so my mom, we made like five chicken breasts. Right. They split a chicken breast. They probably not even finishing that one chicken breast. Right. Trust are me, that's gonna eat? change, bro. Are they picky? No, yes, yeah. not at all. They eat everything. Mm. Today they were imitating my wife. My wife, like you know, I was just squeeze lemon on shit. So they both were like sucking on a lemon and then <laughs> squeezing the lemon and saying lemonade, lemonade, <laughs> and then just eating. Like they eat pretty. They pretty much. I mean, whether they feel like eating. It's a whole other conversation. Right. But there's no food that they're like, you know, like I have a friend whose son only eats fries and pizza. No, and it's yeah, got to be the s- specific kind of fry, the right kind of pizza. You know, maybe he eats like Cheerios, but it's, you know, he doesn't eat anything. My kids will eat, you know. And that's, and that's, uh, I have, that's that type of regimen with your friend that follows people until adulthood. Like I know someone who only eats certain foods and he would not enjoy himself if these certain foods aren't in nah, this presence, nah, because I grew up eating. eating nothing. I'll I eat brain now, like I'll, I'll eat anything. But I grew up eating like if my food touched, like if the mashed potatoes touched the chicken, I probably wouldn't eat it. I think, but that's you. That's my though. wife. That's yeah. My no, wife that's is ridiculous. Like, yeah. My wife is like. But that's that. you because you you've already set yourself to say, yo, you know what? I'm just gonna try everything. This but one- I, but I'm saying I didn't grow up like that. Ah, uh, okay, all right. You know what gotcha. I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't grow up like eating seafood, but I love sushi. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I didn't grow up, I, you know, I think no matter what, like, yeah, there's, you know, some element that how you grow up, but like you become an adult and it's just kind of up to you to whether you're going to break those habits. Man, I'll never eat that. macaroni and cheese. I don't, care, I don't care what y'all give me. <laughs> never. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm, I tell everybody I don't eat macaroni and cheese and everybody look at me like I got six heads. Um, Is like, it the texture? Ever since I was little. That's crazy. I, that shit I love is like the worst. Like, my thing about macaroni and cheese, though, is they're really, it's kind of like brownies. Like, there's nothing better than a bo- brownie in a box. True. They're really, Kraft mac and cheese is still the fucking best. I bangs with Velveeta. Same, I'm just saying the box, mm-hmm. something about that powdered cheese. Like, when you go out to a restaurant. True. And they got, like, the four cheese. Like It doesn't taste you're as like, good. Yeah, you're like, yo, but this shit is just, yo, I just want some craft, you know? Yeah, yeah, I just absolutely. want that fake-ass cheese. Yo, real quick, because um, they're in school now. Are they in the same class, or did yeah, you separate yeah, them? Yeah, yeah, they're in the same class. You know, some, some at some point, they're going to separate them. Do you they, think they, that's They do be a it different now, but, I, I mean, they, they were just starting school. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they've been with each other 24 hours a day their entire life. You know, so did I want to bring them into such a new environment and then separate them as well? True. I wasn't really sure. They're pretty good. Like, they'll play independently. So it's not like I'm really worried about that. But my mentality on this shit is like, yo, they're twins. They got a special bond. Let it rock. Like, I'm not that concerned with like, you know, is it a detriment? Because I think it's more about focusing on like the specialness of what they have rather than like, if they're in the same class, are they going to develop socially? They're never going to have a relationship with human, any human being like they are with each other. Of course. They're identical twins. Like, they shared a womb. They shared, you know, breastfeeding at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, they take a bath t- together every day. They, that's, they, the, that's the homie. Yeah, like, it's, it's not even, it's literally like a piece, they're a piece of each other. Right. You know, you could already see in the way they act with each other, the way they talk about each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's there's there's something there that I, that none of us will ever be able to understand. So, to me, I'm cool with you know. I know my daughter's got somebody that will always have their back. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, some twins don't get along later in life, but hopefully, that doesn't happen here. But you know, if 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 it works out accordingly, like you know, they'll always have each other. So I'm cool with however that works out. You have know, you guys ever tried to like separate them? Not like you know. Well, yeah, like separate them, just put one in one room and the other in the other room and kind of just... But even when they're in the same room, like one could be playing over here, one could be playing over here and, and not really, you know, ignore, they're not really necessarily that focused on each other at that exact moment, you mm-hmm. know? So, I mean, it's hard. I think the thing about having twins is like, you don't have the chill moments. Like I, I would say like, you know, when you have like a baby, you got one baby, you could just kind of chill like... Especially when they're like three months, you just pretty much yeah. But even even when they're like one there. and a half, they're mm-hmm. like uh, old enough and aware enough to like touch your face, yeah, and like hang out with you. You don't get those like intimate moments with twins because one might be chill and the other might be wilding. One mm-hmm. might be crying and the other might be want to watch TV. Like you got your 
you're always there's no like if you're around them somebody's always putting you in parent mode mm. um you know that's probably like the one thing that you know that i would like i think it's such an amazing experience but that's probably the one thing that like when i do have those moments where i'm just like chilling in bed with simone you know and she's like they like to like rub my facial hair and say prickly chin you know <laughs> like and like you know she's like rubbing my face and like touching you know nose touching your eyes and like saying what they are like those like real like kind of special like one-on-one -on -one moments oh, you don't mm, you I don't love, get I love those moments you don't get the same kind of moments because the other one's in the other room wilding out you know oh, so there's a little that's gonna be my next you know, question you, was, know, yeah. you already know yeah. <laughs> you know what time it is <laughs> you know what here. time it is go ahead um we always ask this question about the fade or the timeout. He's a but timeout guy. He's a time like I was because as he was talking, I was gonna say, "Well, they three years old," and the way he's talking, I don't think they up to that. You know, they're not they, catching they, fades. Yeah, they, I don't think they're catching fades yet. Like hitting the kids? No, well, no, no, we're not, not saying I mean, hitting. Not hitting not, them, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who's the um, because they're authoritarian? The, yeah, the, yeah, that's the correct word. Or who who's the disciplinarian? You know, I'm a little. I'm I'm just more even keeled. So a lot of times it falls on me because, you know, my wife, A, they're so attached to her. Um, so a lot of times it's, it's, you know, like we go to, so every Saturday we go to the diner. We go to the same diner. We sit in the same booth. My kids talk about it all week. Saturday we're going to go to diner breakfast. I can't wait to go to diner breakfast. Like it's a real like dyed in the wool. They love it. They know everybody in there. Like, you know, it's just their thing. They absolutely adore going to diner. But like, if one's wilding, you got to take them out the restaurant, right? If they're mm. screaming, I don't care that it's a diner and everybody knows them. Nobody wants to be around a baby screaming. Mm -hmm. So if I take out Isla, Simone's still with mommy. But if mommy takes out Isla, Simone is chiller with me than Isla. Isla's a little more hooked on mommy. But if like mommy takes out Simone, then Isla's going to be like, mommy. And then she's going to start wilding. And then, you know, the whole day, the whole shot. shit, the whole yeah. thing gets blown up. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I tend to be a little bit more than that. I'm also a little bit more even keeled than than Beth is, um, as far as you know, just in the moment. You know, she she definitely for better as well. You know, just has I'm not that emotive a human being, so she's I'm a little more logical. So I don't really get caught up in that moment the way she's you know more emotive. And they're so attached to her and they love her so much. You know, I know oh, there's. I think a man is a little bit easier to take a baby crying. Like it doesn't, you know, like when you when the kids cry, the woman is like yeah, it hurts their soul. That's what you think. Yeah, yeah. not in my crew. Yeah, yeah. It hurts. It not hurts. But I think we're just so used to it. You know, at this point where they like, if one cries, like the older one, like if he's crying, and we'll look at him like, dog, you crying over that? Like, come on, but how man. old is he now? He's six years old. So it's a little but, different. But, but though. the three year old, I look at him as, yo, dog, you crying over that? And then my wife. Going back to what you're saying, my wife would be like, oh, it's okay, but depending on what he's crying about. Because last night, homie tried to um, bogart his broccoli, right? And just be like, no, I'm not eating it. I'm like, no, not tonight. You guys are not going to make me eat it. So we're doing like different things. Like, yo, you know, Cal, you're, you're going to have some chocolate ice cream tonight, right? Yeah, I'm going to have this chocolate ice cream because I'm banging down my, my broccoli. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to enjoy this cake tonight, you know? All this other stuff. And he's looking at it at us like, yo, I ain't eat nothing, man. He goes upstairs or he tries to go upstairs and my wife gets on him, starts crying. And then that's when, you know, we're just like, man, suck it up. You know, but but I I don't I'm not saying anything different. I'm just saying, like, if the kid is crying and I'm trying to watch TV, I beg like, yo, just let her cry. She'll stop <laughs> crying eventually. Right? Like she wakes up and she's crying a little bit. Oh, so your annoyance level is really low then. <laughs> But her, it, it hurts her soul, like hearing it her kids. It hurts kid. her. Uh -huh. That's what I'm saying. Like for her, it's it's you know. Oh, really high. I'm sorry. High. Gotcha. Yeah, for me, for me, it, I'm just I might get annoyed, whatever. I'm just gonna ignore them because hopefully they stop crying or whatever. But her, it, it you know it they, they you know they, they lived they grew up in her they gotcha. they, were, they came from her. But yo, speaking to you to who Doug is, man. Yo, speaking to your like how you got into the culture because you know what I always um, admired about you is that you did everything for culture. You did things because because you mentioned it. Your your sister did something because of a passion. You found a passion. How did you get into DJing? Juice, 
Juice, yeah, Juice like, World Juice Magazine, or nah, Juice the movie? movie, yeah. Oh, I was oh about to God. say, what the hell? I'm, all a th- juice. I'm a 39 year old kid from New York. If uh, you started DJing at my age, you almost definitely got into to DJing from Juice. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say your name. What was your, what was your DJ nah, name? I can't even say it right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, DJ Sugarcuts. Why did you pick that name? Because you know I was a battle DJ. I mm-hmm. wanted to be a battle DJ, really. So you need your name on record. This is before Serato. This is 90s. Like, so you needed to have a. A, a name that you could scratch up mm. that you could bring in there so before my DJ name was actually probably worse because I first rocked with Casper because I'm mad white <laughs> DJ Casper DJ Casper and then when the war tour came out you know he goes Shahid come in with the sugar cuts mm-hmm. Fife Dog mm. says that so I was like oh that's dope so I rocked with it and then it just, it just stayed with it as I realized how terrible a name it was over the years <laughs> but you know you just stuck with it you just you just went with it for there so your sound engineering days, you sound engineered for a lot of people, but one of those people being Joel Ortiz, Brooklyn's own. How did you how did you uh, manage that one? So that was actually kind of late. We missed a... We missed a, we missed we missed a, a few era. years. We I'm sorry. A, we yeah, missed yeah, yeah. a few eras in my life. Yeah. Because I used to have a magazine. That was like my first shit. For real? Yeah, called Subculture. So like in the mid-90s, hip-hop was like some, you know, magazine. So it was like uh, Subculture, On The Go, Stress, Mass Appeal. Mass Appeal. And we were like the first one to focus on like the four elements. So we had graffiti, DJing, hit, you know, rapping, you know, hip hop. You say you do. You say you in the gra- you still in the graph. Um, I'm still in the. I never wrote. Oh, you didn't. But write. TCK is like the the fam. So there's a lot of dudes in TCK that are just random. Like it's like a hip downtown hip hop crew. I was about to. I'm about to say you still do top bottoms. No, no, no. I never wrote though. Yeah. But 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 you know, again, like it's it's a lot of dudes in TCK. You know that are about to say writers. sign with your black book at sign <laughs> with your black book at sign <laughs> writer like but like random dude Bobitos and TCK Crazy Legs and TCK you know old school writers but you know the core of us is still family like my man Dage you know Angelo Bach uh, Bach yeah, I would fuck up his last name if he listens to this he'd be pissed off <laughs> my man Vaz Siege Scram you know. Bizarre, like there's there's a lot of dudes in the That's crew. Where you know your boy Scram. Yeah, 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 yeah Scram, So we, you know, there's a lot of dudes just in the crew. It's kind of some some hip hop shit for me. There now, most of the dudes really know each other from writing, but um, you know, there's some some hip hop shit for sure. But yeah, Graph, the magazine, uh, DJing. I started the first world's first open turntable event. There was a there's one in San Francisco called at Deco Club Deco, which was sort of an open table. It was more like a jam session. Mm-hmm. So I did the first the world's first open turntable event called Table Turns at the New Rican Poetry Cafe. And we had everybody from Q uh, well not at that well, yeah I mean over the years everybody from Cubert to you know Executioners Rock Raider Rob Swift. We were the first people to bring a track to America. Um, if you don't know who a track, Google. Yeah, Google it. Please, I can't explain. Yeah, we're not, we're not gonna go into that. Cra- Just Google a track, please. Craze, craze, you know, a lot, a lot of dudes, like real, some real, you know, legend shit, um, whatever. And then eventually, I eventually, I got a, I got a little uh, mentally bored from DJing. I started to check out a little bit. If my, my if my heart's not into something, it's kind of hard for me to I, continue. I agree. I agree. Go back to um, how'd you get? Oh, yeah. yeah, how how'd you get into flood watches? Well. How did that start? Idea. So yeah, so I mean, I just always thought it'd be dope to do some watches from some hip hop perspective, and uh, you know, I met this dude Naeem. I don't know if this is well. I know, no, we got that. We, we got, got that. that. Okay, mm-hmm. so I met Naeem, and uh, it was like kind of ill flip because I'm a high school dropout Jewish kid, and uh, Naeem's uh, his dad is actually in the it was uh, in the nation, and he went to Cornell, uh, and. He was the investor of my idea. It was like we always talked about that it was like an ill kind of flip on on the on the the expected. Um and he was the first dude to believe in the idea that I'd been pitching for a really long time. Met a couple of dudes along the way. Um uh, shout out to my man Amit, shout out to my man Scott Nowers, shout out to obviously my business partner Mel, who's still like to this day the dude that I do everything with, no matter what it is, whether we're involved or not, you know, that's all all we do um and uh you know we just we just thought it would be dope to do some some hip-hop watches pretty much and when we say hip-hop watches you know we spoke on his love for djing we talking about 
I don't want to say if, if it's the first, but I want to say it's the one that kind of got noticed the most. It was the first right. watch we did, though. It was, it was one of the first ones. Not did. saying the first watch that you did. I'm just saying the first turntable watch that most people saw. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? He did a turntable watch. You know what I'm saying? For his love of DJ. He did... Uh, can I talk about Tribe Called Quest watch? Yeah. Yeah, he did Tribe Called Quest watch uh, for his love for Tribe. Um, he did a boombox watch because of the culture. We had the MPC watch. The MP... I, yo, well, come on, man. Why are you cutting ahead of me, bro? All right, all right. We had the MPC watch that also dated back to the culture of watches when you had a calculator on your watch. So there was a lot of stuff that Flood Watches... Casio. Yeah, Casio. There's a lot of, of ideas that Flood Watches implemented not only into the watch culture, but also into the hip-hop culture. And um, I guess at that time, I, people feel weird saying it, streetwear culture. Yeah, streetwear Why do culture. people don't like saying streetwear? I don't know, they're stupid. Okay. Man, uh, streetwear. <laughs> this guy just says streetwear. Like it's just like and why? That goofies. Yeah. Nah, but uh, but I mean now streetwear is like the biggest thing in the world. I think it, it means something different now than it did then. Because now streetwear is like a three hundred dollar t shirt. I hate that shit. So. You know, when, in in this those days it was a you know twenty eight dollar. Yeah, I'm graphic tee. And that but you used to pull whole, up pull up to a party with and everybody. Damn, and you feel like yeah, like yeah, that's yeah, diff- you, that's you, you see it now. So it's like yo. Man, how much that T-shirt cost? Yo, that shit like five hundred dollars. <laughs> five hundred dollars? Oh, you wild. Yo, yeah. but I but I drink coffee that would be like two hundred dollars oh, a cup. Oh, yeah. So going back to what he said earlier. I'm just saying, so true. Yo, like mm-hmm. you know, you got you can't. No matter what, like people gotta gotta go. You know, whether it's your lane or not, you gotta just respect. You know, the lane that people are in. I don't mm-hmm. listen to none of the young hip hop. But I don't really talk about it. Right. Although I do like Takashi Six Nine, sort of. I know why you. you I know why you like him so. Go why ahead. do you think so? Because uh, he gives off the same vibe as Onyx. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. but also, I already I know it because definitely because I love Onyx. Yeah, because I love mm-hmm. Onyx Quiz. But anyway, we go, totally go off into, subject. Yeah, no, yeah, but no, nah, it's still on subject because going into Flood Watchers, I think everything that we spoke about, like your early DJ career, everything that you went through, you put into the watch company, um, and I think it doesn't really get the recognition that it deserves as far as being a just an entity of the culture, you know what I'm saying? Because what you put into it and what you put out there. I mean, I don't really care. The reality is because... I was there, like, there's no arguing whether I was there, when I, whether I was 15, 16, doing shit in the culture. Like, I got proof. I got magazines. Like, I got flyers. Like, I know I'm in TCK. Like, I know Dr. Butcher. Like, Dr. Butcher, I could call him right now and call him on speaker, and I guarantee you he's going to answer whatever he's doing. He's going to say, yo, Dougie Doug, what's good? Like, Rock Raider was my man. When Rock Raider died, me and Sean C., we threw the... The fundraiser for Raider's family. Like, I know, and I'm did not even. Rock Raider watch. I did a Rock Raider watch. That's my, that was my man. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that for props because I truly don't care because the people that were there with me, they know I was there and I know I was there. And at this point, it doesn't really matter past that. Like, I, history is history. Whether people recognize that history, you know, or not, like, it doesn't matter. Like, the people that matter to me to know, they they know what it is. Like I've been at a DJ battle where A Track gave a speech and said, you know, the the guy in the crowd, DJ Sugarcuts, uh was <laughs> <laughs> was the first person to bring me to America. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? And like that meant that means a lot because I know A Track knows. Like and, and they've always and all these people have always supported what I've done because they know where I what like I'm not trying to forget them. And hopefully they're not trying to forget me. Which you never did. You know, everything, for some, you know, uh, the dope shit about Doug is that when we would do a project, it would be a specific project of what he was a part of or what he felt like the culture needed. You know what I'm saying? Um, I wasn't around for the boombox or the turntables and stuff like that. He but, just could stop coming to work one day. True story. (laughs) (laughs) That's the true story. But... The stuff that he did put in as far as like, um, you know, I think we should be working with this artist or I think we should be in this magazine. It was because of one thing specific and that was because of the passion that you have for the culture. That's that's what it all is. You know what I mean? Like that's what taught me about life. That's what taught me about other cultures. Um, 
that that's what taught me you know about like you know really understanding struggle really understanding life art it's all hip-hop everything comes from hip-hop all the shit that kith supreme nike none of this shit exists without fucking hip-hop any advice you gotta give to young fathers coming in the game. Also, not only young fathers that coming in the game. That that um, I, I want to get into. Well, what first you're doing time now. fathers, not yeah. young fathers. I want to get into what you're what you're doing now. But like, let's just say if you were doing that with kids, how hard would that be? I mean, I still do it with kids. I still start new businesses. I still rock on new shit. Mm-hmm. My wife is super supportive. You know, I mean, I dance to the, the beat of my own drum. Anybody that knows me is there's 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 Doug. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can hate me or you can love me, but you know I'm me mm-hmm. for for what it is. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I can't change because of my kids. And, and you know, I got goals for my kids. I have like, you know, obviously I want to make a lot of money and be super successful and do all the shit. But like, I want my kids to be able to go to any school, no student debt, you know, never take a loan for school. If they go to Harvard, yeah, I don't care. You know, I, there's things that I'm like, yo, these are my goals. So I just got to keep you know, striving towards your goals. I mean, for me, you can't, you got to be a, there as a, like, I don't do anything on weekends because I want to be available for my kids. Mm-hmm. But during the week, if I got to work, I got to work. If I got to travel, I travel a lot. Yeah, you just got to, you know, you got to find that balance. No what do you do what. now? Um, so, Mel and I, we're, own, we're, just to point out, we're skipping a lot in your history from flood to where you are now. Yeah, so, go ahead. I mean, we probably, I probably talked a lot already. So, <laughs> uh, we, we own an experiential marketing agency called Stadium Status um, with our other partner, Mayor. Um, and we do like we do collaborations for Starbucks, Timberland, Nickelodeon. So if you see like Kith Nickelodeon, like Kith Rugrats, we worked on that. We do experiential for New Balance. Uh, we got a new experiential client opening a space in Soho um, called Showfields. Um, and really, we just try to connect culture with big companies. I mean, that's like the, you know, the ultimate like kind of bottom line. You know, we try to try to, you know, tell the cultural story we want to tell um, through, you know, and let other companies kind of help 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 them tell their story and help um, cultural story, the, help the, them tell their brand story and help hopefully guide that in a good cultural story that makes sense. You know. For the for the culture, I mean, it's interesting because growing up, my era was you can't sell out, but there's no such thing as selling out anymore. So now it's just about making things that feel are feel authentic and are authentic for the purposes. But like we grew up, you could sell out, right? You could be like, you know, oh, you did a commercial with Sprite. I can't mm-hmm. believe you did that. That's selling out. Now we 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 we've shifted away from that. To young kids, they don't want that same. They want to be put in a box. I wanted to be the hip hop kid. I didn't want to skate. I didn't want to be goth. I, I was a hip hop kid. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's how we grew up. That's not how kids grow yeah. up now. So, nah, they all over the damn. Yeah. Place. So we just they taking it all in. They take it all in. But that's everything. dope, though. Mm-hmm. That's dope. You mm-hmm. know, just more multicultural and open minded. Um, so you know, so that's what you do with Stadium Status. But Stadium Status, you, you you're doing that one thing with Mel. By the way, you're doing Stadium Status, but then you also had some type of take into the marijuana business as well. Yes, yeah, so we got a edibles brand. Mel and I again. Mel Mel is like, you know, just whatever I work on, he's gonna work on because that's just that's just how we rock. Mm-hmm. If you got a good partner on shit, you could be greedy or you could be smart. Right, you know, mm-hmm. and and um, neither Mel or I have ever. Mel and I were talking about this shit a while ago. If you know Mel at all, and you know me at all, you know we fight. We fucking both real strong, opinionated, strong-willed people. Uh, you know, actually, I I really talk about this, but like as a father, Mel is definitely a really amazing example because mm-hmm. you know Mel had a kid. I don't know, Marcus is seventeen. No, no, no later, later, no, twenty something. Wait, wait, yeah, he, he was, was already married. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Mel's thirty-eight. Marcus is 11, I think. So we started a cannabis business a couple years ago with Miguel Trinidad, who's a chef at um, Jeepney Maharlika in East Village, uh, world-renowned chef. And um, we do like high-end infused dinners with like really... Uh, Miguel and I met actually on a, on a stadium status shoot with my man Neil Armstrong. 
and we just kind of hit it off on some native New Yorker shit, on some foodie shit. You know, I, I know a lot about food. I'm really into food. And uh, we just kind of hit it off. We eventually tried to figure out to work on a project. That was a project. And it's been pretty successful. We've been in like the New Yorker, New York Magazine, uh, Thrillist, all the weed magazines, Colvator, like kind of ran the gamut on um, the outlets we've been in. And we're finally launching an edibles brand early 2019. Um, Mel and I are also partners with a couple of people on a rum company um, coming out in March or April, um, which we're super excited about because it's like culturally appropriate. Our partner, one of the founders is uh, this dude, Mark, who I've worked with for a bunch of years on a bunch of different projects, but Trinidadian dude, real smart, graduated MIT at, uh, sorry, went to MIT at 16, born and raised in Trinidad, Bobby? No, 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 I was just saying, damn. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, real real smart, youngest VP. We worked with him at Starbucks, youngest VP in Starbucks history. Real smart dude. And, um, you know, the idea really is that rum is some real cultural shit. You know, you look at, like, tequila. Like, we look at tequila as, like, you take shots, you know, like um, Cuervo shots or Patron or whatever, and then, like, now you see people sip rum. I mean, sip whiskey, uh, tequila. It's become, you realize... Mexican culture is not some throwaway shit. It's real shit. Like, you know, there's real beauty and there's real story and real providence behind tequila. And rum is the same thing. Like, you go to the Caribbean, like, that's what you drink. You Very know, and true. there is, it's not like Caribbean culture is not Captain Morgan, pirates. It's not slavery, like plantation. It's not Jimmy Buffett. Mm -hmm. Like, there's real, you know, there's real, um, you know, there's real people, real there's real people, there. there's real struggle, there's real mm -hmm. culture, there's real, there's real depth to it. Mm -hmm. Um, so we really want to tell that story through rum. So that's, you know, as a marketer, is a lot of a, a really fun um, project to work on. And and then uh, I guess the last thing is really like hopefully, at some point soon, I'll have something in the in the coffee game as well. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. gonna be my next question, though. I was like, yo, when are you gonna get into the coffee yeah, game? Yeah. The way as as, as yeah, passionately send, as you yeah. speak about it, pack over. I just got to do it right. That's got to do it right. You always put things on your Instagram stories where you're like, I don't know, there's like a big machine. You're, it looks like you're in a warehouse and there's just like streams of coffee everywhere. And, and he's and he shares something like real witty and just says, about to enjoy a sip or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's very he interesting. He flexing yeah, yeah, yeah. on I, I can't wait for that. Yeah, yeah I can't wait for that. Coffee is my shit, man. So with, with your, your, your do it all, do the best idea of how you look at life, how do you teach that to your daughters now? Yeah, I just, I mean... Well, well, how? What's the approach that you're going to take with your, with your daughters? No, like they just got it. Whatever they want to do, that makes them happy. That's what I tell them all the time. Like, you know, just just do you. Like, whatever whatever route you're going to take. Like, love a man, love a woman, cross-dress, you know, fucking go to uh, political science school, become a lawyer, become an artist. Like, just, just follow what is going to make you happy and you're going to be happy is that's all that's all you could really for me that's all you could really want like you can't put your own expectations on life on them it doesn't matter like what makes me happy might be a ten dollar cup of coffee what makes they do love coffee though they mm -hmm. wild out on coffee because i make it it's like you know they want to i make it they want to smell the beans before i grind it they want to watch me do my pour over games, like, and then i make it and they want to smell the coffee and then yeah. you smell the coffee and they're like what does that smell like and they're like smells like coffee beans they love the coffee because I'm so into it, but mm -hmm. but you don't give it to them though. No, 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 no. no. That's crazy. <laughs> like, that's crazy. He's like, watch nah, your mouth, bro. <laughs> nah, no, no disrespect. <laughs> no, nah, because um, because nah, cause my daughter she be asking me like, can I have some? But like, nope. But I, I, so my love for coffee though actually comes probably from my dad because my dad used to make like Maxwell House every day, and from a little kid I would just sip a like steal a sip like he'd leave it on the on the counter while he left the room and I would just go take a sip. Through my teenage years, like from like a little kid, I was, and I just, that taste. And even though I don't drink something that tastes like that, just that like ritual of it is something I always really, um, I always love. So I know for sure, like that definitely is like a little bit of a connection with my dad. Not, mm. Again, not that he was into coffee in the way that I was, but my dad was really obsessive in the way that I, I am. Mm -hmm. So I know that's definitely where I get it from, where like he'll get into something and be like, he would just totally dive deep into it. But as far as my kids go, I mean, yeah, I think that's what my dad really was kind of pretty supportive. I remember being like 12. Boys in the Hood just came out. And uh, 
the lead single from the Boys in the Hood was Compton's Most Wanted, Growing Up in the Hood. And, you know, if you guys know that song or not, you could Google it. But I remember, this is the, the, the age of tapes. So I bought the tape. And my dad, I used to, he's, he worked in the city. And I used to, you know, every once in a while, every few months, I could take, I'd take off school and just go into work with him. And I was coming home. And I was like, Dad, you want to hear what I'm listening to? And he's like, yeah. And I put in... Growing Up in the Hood by Compton's Most Wanted and I played it like five or six times and I in my my 12 year old way of explaining what I was listening to and you know how he's not glorifying but you know whatever blah 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 and I remember just my dad it's like a very formative memory because I remember my dad being like probably thinking to himself like what the fuck is this crazy shit I'm listening to (laughs) (laughs) with mad cursing the N word Mm -hmm. you know guns the whole shit Totally unrelatable to him, but him being like, that's cool. I'll, you know, like get into this. And I remember like DJing and scratching till like three in the morning. And my dad would sometimes cover and be like, can you make it lower? But he never said, you got to stop, you know? Um, and my, my mom necessarily did, but I think my dad specifically, I feel like, was pretty much like, if I wanted to get away with something, I would just tell my dad. Because my dad would really never say no. He didn't know how to say no to me or my sister. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just think you got to just let, you know. Let your kids be. Let your kids be be who they are. I mean, that doesn't work not for too, every- not too, Not too much, though. It got to be some sort of structure. I mean, the structure, but like, yo, they got to make mistakes, man. Like, uh. Got you. So now with all the experiences that you've had in your childhood, your life, and, and obviously you could, anybody could write a book on, you know, certain parts of their lives, but you've had an interesting life where you were part of the hip hop community. You gave back to the hip hop community, and then now you're doing things on your own terms. And you know you're being a father at that time. We haven't r- written the chambers of uh, fatherhood because you know there was always 36 chambers that RZA broke down for Wu Tang. Yeah. Now we haven't written down our chambers, but if you were to provide us with a certain chamber or a specific chamber that you're in currently, what chamber would that be? Uh, just love and learning, man. Like my man Vaz, when I found out I was having twin girls, he has two daughters and he's also like a super ill dad, you know, like real super about his daughters, like, you know, always hanging out with them, like super on it. Another dude that you could look at and be like, yo, this is like, you know, kind of real present, just always around his kids. And also super present in his friend's kids' lives, you know, like, Always, his kids love, his kids are older than my kids, but like always down to hang out and his kids will take care of my kids. Like go, we go to Diner, Mystery, uh, Natural History Museum, like, you know, they'll babysit, like whatever, like just super present in, in his kid, in, in my kid's life. Uh, and I remember like him being on the phone with me and when I, he was probably think the first person, he like randomly, we just found out we were having girls and we got in the car and he called me and he's and just randomly and I'm like, yeah, we just found out we're having girls. And he was like, yo, that's so amazing because, you know, no, no disrespect to anybody with boys. I'm sure that's just the whole thing. But like mm-hmm. when you have boys, you're just reinforcing your own view, kind of, manhood. view of manhood. Like, and mm-hmm. I say this all the time, like, you know me enough to know that like, I'm like on some like masculine manhood shit. Like I got man rules and like, you know, I'm just, you know, it's just. Again, like, you know, I grew up in a, in a time when, you know, if you weren't, if you didn't act like a man, somebody's going to check you on it. Like, it's just, especially who I was, where I was, like, you know, I felt like if I didn't, if I didn't uh, assert myself and who I was as a man, then then I was going to get washed. Somebody was going to check me irrelevant to it, you know, and, and that was just not, you know, I was in places I probably shouldn't have been. I was around people I probably shouldn't have been. Um so I had to, you know, if I didn't man up, then, you know, so I would say, like, if I had a boy, like, and he fell, I'd be like, yo, man up, pick him up, you know, throw some tussing on it and keep it moving. And so he he was, like, really the one that point, you know, he's like, yeah, you have girls and, like, you have boys and you're teaching them what you went through, but you have girls and you have to watch what they, you have to relearn what life is because you have to li- learn from their perspective and what, what they, what's going to make them happy. And like, you know, feminism has become like some shit that is an issue in my life and, and, and how people treat women, which I've never been like 
a dude who's like grab an ass as they walk by type of person or anything. But, you know, just still like, you know, understanding that like, yo, like, you know, what, what, why should they have to play second to a man? Like, why should they not be able to do anything they want to do just because they're a woman? And just seeing that and like, you know, participating in that in a way that's a little bit more active and aware um, maybe than I would have been otherwise. And like, you know, seeing them like getting their hair done or like things that just for me are just so far into my like let's talk about basketball mm-hmm. and let's um eat some food and let's not never talk about our feelings mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like this is like as much of my feelings as you'll ever hear me talk about mm-hmm. uh and i still don't even think i've talked about my feelings per se you know what i'm saying like so but like with them it's like you know, I'm soft in a way that I never was. Like, it's just, it's just changed my perspective and really like opened my eyes to things and, you know, made me want to be. And again, maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't have boys. So I'm just assuming, but, you know, it's just kind of really put, put that. So I mean, I mean, really like the, the chamber is just always like, yo, like, you know, the chamber of love and, and presence and just uh, premium Pete. You know who he'd be dope to have up here, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I would uh, love to have premium. I'll, I'll link you with him if you want. I but, have his, his his info, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But he always posts on Instagram something. He always posts like presence over presence, over presence you know, mm-hmm. and like, you know, I mean, I still try to give him presence, but like, yeah, it's really it's true. Like, just be there, like, you know, just be around. See, this them. is this is what we talk about on the show. Mm-hmm. Our listeners hear this and what he's saying. Mm-hmm. You know, another father. I'm I'm getting inspired. I'm about to go home and. Hug my daughters up like, you know, I'm about to get y'all some pets. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, we don't want to hold you up too much, but uh, before you go, I want to ask you, at some point they're going to separate in school. How do you think they're going to deal with that? How are you and your wife going to deal with that? Is that something also that you're like, well, you guys are just going to have to deal with it? I'm yeah, just, just going to be it, hands off. Take it. No, I'm good for it now. Take it, take it as it comes. You know, right now they're... They're in school together. And I mean, they don't do that as much. It used to be like mandatory. Mm-hmm. Now they're not quite as strict in all schools about it. So I'm not even, it's, it's you know, <laughs> afterthought. It's after, it's after what it is, you know. All right. Well, yo, yo also, shout out to my oldest son, Frank Nilakina. <laughs> Fuck out. Future defensive player of the year point guard. <laughs> Get out the of New here. York Knicks. Yo, um, Sean, you called me one time and we spoke about this off air, but I gotta bring it on air. This is how serious it is. You called me one time and I immediately hit the red uh hang up button because we were drafting our NBA draft. I was like, No, I, I can't speak to you right now. Get out of here. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yo, if your man <laughs> drafted shitty. I didn't draft shitty. We I did. Give them, I did like, well. Mad wedgies. And yeah, nuggies. yeah. I so did what, very well. So what is it like the stock market? Like you just gotta be on it. That finger gotta be on the at, trigger or something. At no, 10 no, it's just a draft. You yeah, just draft like uh, immediately. Yeah, at ten p.m. You know, you get it. It was the draft. Mm-hmm. I didn't know my draft number until ten p.m. Really, but I noticed my draft number, so I had to be like really on top of it. I think I drafted nine out of fourteen out of mm-hmm. fourteen people. Yeah. So I had to be on it. So my first draft had to be like really crisp. I think the I think the third is really important because the first draft, you know, you're kind of already top ten is already there. The first round, third round, you mean? The third round, yeah, yeah. The third round is really, really important for me, at least. I think. I got nah, the end is the most important. Like, ah, yeah, because you don't win on you don't win on your first round pick. Never, never. They don't win on your third round pick. You win on your seventh round pick. When you get when you get like Victor Olapito from last year. Oh, uh, well, you came up crazy. No, but I'm just saying, like, mm-hmm. but that's my point. And now True. you got a dude that's giving you first round prop, um, you know, Point, yeah, play uh-huh. from the seventh round pick. So you got your first three picks, mm-hmm. you know? And then it's just attrition, like, no, you know, less injuries. But you really win on, like, those, you know, kind of like, did I get somebody, like, late? And then he blows up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you get, like, the most improved player of the year. Probably he's a late round pick. You probably did pretty well, mm-hmm. you know, pretty well for yourself. That's like the the fringes is how you really shout to Spencer Dinwiddie, Carlos Levert. Uh, yeah, Carlos <laughs> Levert is putting in work. He's same team, work. they're on the same team, by the way. Yeah, okay. yeah, his dude is putting in like some serious work. Spencer didn't do a, a good a, a good night tonight, but it's all good. So what's up? Is there money made? Oh, yeah, we yeah. got a fourteen hundred dollars pot. Winner take all is the rule. But mm-hmm. the name of this league is. 
all shit talking all, all the time. time. Okay. So it's never a serious conversation. It's just a lot Even of- though some people try to make it serious, like, hey, so what do you guys think um, the starting lineup should be? And sometimes I don't want to be so mean because I want to be like, yo, sh- yo STFU, man. Yeah. You know, go nah, give yourself I'm a always budget. down for being mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We just talk mad shit to each but other. But some dudes, I don't, I don't know face to face. It don't matter. Yo, so it's like, called old shit like, talking all the time. Go like- fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's what it is. Adam and I are in a group chat. Yo, oh, with a couple the group of other chat, dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The it's group chat. Bad fire. shit talking with some hobies. Yeah, yeah. Like nonstop. There's not one serious conversation going on in there. You mm. know what I'm saying? Even when it's even when it comes down to basketball, I'll read the art like I'll read the arguments, but the arguments aren't like, yo, but you're missing the point. It's you you stupid dumbass. Didn't you just see that he just did this? And then, like it's just like, yeah, it's just it is wild. It's wild. You know what I'm saying? This is this is how this. That's uh, New York shit. Yeah, Yo, that's how you. That's how you spread love. It's through. Right. It's through. Yeah, hate. It's through hate. You know what I'm saying? Hating your guts. That's why Nick fans are so strong. You know. We gotta be. We gotta be. <laughs> Sick man. But yeah. yo, Doug, thank you for coming Thanks on, my for dog. Me. You know what I'm saying? Really, really appreciate you. You could be, you literally could be anywhere in the world, but you came to Harlem on 125th. I'd probably be home home watching BoJack Horseman. BoJack Horseman? You like this show. You you keep on talking about it. It's fucking incredible. What what makes it so incredible? I just really want to know. It's hilarious and insanely depressing. Okay. It's It's like a real ass depressing show about depression and relationships and acceptance and failure but it's a played by a horse man like it's a real like it's a cartoon so like all the characters are like there's like a you know there's a dog um, uh, Mr. Uh, what the fuck is his name? Well, I, I don't I, watch the show. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even yeah. matter. Bojack Horseman. Okay. Is it on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The that first like six impressive. episodes are funny, but it's not like. But like halfway through the first season, it gets like pretty real, mm. and then like by the end of the first season, the shit is like. There's episodes of Bojack that are probably the saddest episodes of TV maybe ever made. Really sadder than uh, when Will Smith, um, uh, his pops mounts. <laughs> I mean, you know, nothing sadder than that. Because <laughs> that's the sad part. <laughs> is that is that, and then the the part where Carlton got shot. Oh, I was just about to say. Yeah, oh, man, yeah, I forgot yeah, about that one. Yeah, when, when Carlton got shot and they were in the in the hospital together. <laughs> the, I remember I was a kid. I was just sitting in front. Or of the, the series like, finale Damn. when Will looks around and the house is empty, hands in his pockets. Hands yeah, in his pocket. And he walks out. Damn, son. Damn. Yo, shout to Will Smith. Shout to Will Smith. We gotta get Will Smith on here. Yo, he's gonna be on. You got to get him on here. Well, I'm taking your approach on life. And just yeah, like, yo, I'm it. just going to keep asking people if they know Will Smith and try to run into Will Smith. <laughs> Hit him up I'll, on his IG. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, exactly. Who cares? Exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. what's going to happen? He's going to ignore me and say, right. what the hell is that? Exactly. Yeah. He might do it, though. Will's, Will's into answer. dad life. Will is into dad life. And he, he has the whole notion of like um, letting your kids be who they are. Yeah. 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 Oh, could you imagine him on here? Oh, man, that'd be hot. I'm 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 already seeing it. He's sitting yeah. where Doug is sitting. Well, no. I mean, that's and, and then there's like mad it. people in the room. And you know, you know, you know like like and the shit is going yeah. on IG. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Security is. I can't be... ask him certain questions. I have to read off his uh, off an approved list. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. Never do that. Never you do think that. Joe Budden does that for his podcast. No, mm-hmm. never. There's never. no approved questions. Don't do that. But yo, love is love, man. Yo, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Shout to Will Smith. 36 Chambers of Fatherhood, Outskis.